Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Good to see you today. Thank you for that, Chris. That blesses me. Um, It is an area lack that God has really had me on a journey on. And so I'm actually gonna be talking about that today, again, um, in a different angle. um, But it is something that God has really um, been uprooting in my heart over the years. And I uh, can stand here today and say that my life is evidence of His goodness all around me. Evidence that he's been uprooting lack in my life, and I stand here today because of it. Um, And so I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say, I have everything that I need. Some of you, that's a truth. That's a reality, that you really have everything you need. And some of you do not have everything you need. So if you just said that, you just prophesied. And maybe you've never prophesied before, but you just did for the first time. You prophesy, you say it as if you have it, even if you don't have it, believing that that can be true about me. I don't have everything I need, but I know that God has everything I need. And because I'm his kid, I can have everything that I need. It's on its way. So I just wanna say that to you so that you have hope today so that you have hope for everything that you need. My desire, every time I open my mouth to speak, is that you would be inspired, that your imagination would be ignited, and that you would realize that you were created to create. That is my desire, that you would be inspired for more, that you would desire more, and that you would realize my life was created to multiply that my mandate is to multiply, not to die, but to be fruitful and multiply. And so I desire to release that to you today and pull that out of you today. So I grew up uh, here in San Marcos. I'm a a local. My parents still live here. Um, They've lived in the same house since 1987, since I was three years old. And so um, I've been in this city for a while. I, uh, we grew up doing family vacations, camping and going to the beach, but we never had big family vacations like flying to Europe or anything or even to Colorado. And so at 20, I took my first plane ride to Kenya, Africa. Uh, ever since I was a little girl in GAs, I wanted to go to Africa and be a missionary. And so at 20, I decided to join a mission trip and go to Africa. The summer before, I had been drinking and partying and doing drugs and all the awful things that you pray and hope that your child will not do. I found myself in a pit of hell and said, I've got to change. So I joined a church. I actually joined a college ministry. I, um, and then I went uh, to Africa and we landed in Nairobi, Kenya. And it was nighttime, so I hadn't seen the city. We woke up the next morning, and we were going to drive eight hours to a city called Siaya. And we woke up the next morning and got into these little vans without air conditioning and drove through the city. And I had never seen poverty like that before in my life. And I wept. My 20-year-old little American world was being shattered 
as I watched people living in absolute poverty and I didn't know how to take it in. But I knew that God had me there for a reason, so we drove and our mission was to go hut to hut that week um, and tell people of the gospel. And I had uh, accepted Jesus when I was seven, but I really didn't even know what the good news was because I was living in such poverty in my thinking. But I was like, I'm gonna go, God. And the first day we were out, we walked into this hut and there was a woman laying on the floor with a blanket next to her and this about 20 inch little body underneath that blanket. And my interpreter said, her baby died this morning. And I didn't know what to do. I had never seen anything like that before. And I remember them saying, you need to pray for her. And I was like, okay. And so I prayed this small little prayer and almost passed out and ran out of the house and just was like, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I have it in me to do this, God. And in that day, I did not realize that I actually had the resurrection power in my heart that I could have laid my hand on that baby and told it to live and it would have, could have lived. That I had the ability to do that. Now, if it would have, I don't know. I don't know what God was doing in that day. But because of my own limitations, because I couldn't see the possibility of what was in me, I actually didn't even try. I didn't even think, should I pray for that baby? It could live. How? What's the possibility? I had such lack inside me that I didn't even know how to pray for it. And so I think about that story and I think about the what ifs and the could haves and I can't live in regret. I think that God's will is alive and it's moving and that baby is with Jesus. I don't know, maybe someone came in afterwards and did pray for it, I don't know, but I don't wanna live my life looking at the what ifs in my life saying, I could have. How do I not know this power that lives in me? We read about it in the Bible. We read about these amazing things. We read about the riches of heaven. We read about dead people coming to life and, and the sick being healed and the deaf hearing and, and all these miracles. And we wonder, why do we not experience it in our lives? It's not a thing of the past. It's the same Holy Spirit today that lives in me that raised Jesus from the dead. And so there's something in me that is suppressing it. There's something in me that's not allowing that flow of his riches through my life. And I am determined to see it come to pass in my life. And I think he is calling his church to the same. He's saying, you're my bride and you have the ability to resurrect dead things. You lack nothing. And so that's what I wanna talk about today. And poverty, like I said, it's a very real thing. I, I don't know if we really ever experienced deep poverty in America, but it's real in the world. But what the poverty that I'm talking about is the poverty in our minds. It's a lack mindset. And it is something that has kept the church in bondage. And he wants to release his church from it. I believe it. Because if he released me from it, he wants his whole church to be released from it because he has plans. He's got plans. And he wants to move through us. And he can't. If our heart is, God, you can't do that through me. Do you not know what I was doing last summer? You can't do that through me. And he wants to say, yes, I do. I want to do that through you. 
Dr. Ruby Payne, in her book, A Framework for Understanding Poverty, says, the first thing that happens in a severe economic downturn is that hope and choice are replaced with fear and a sense of scarcity. When fear and scarcity come into one's thinking, the brain is less able to seek options or see possibilities. Poverty says there's only enough to go around, so I must hold on to what I have, not share or fear lack because the source may run dry. This mindset then becomes the foundation for every decision. Wouldn't you say that our nation has, our whole world has been in that? We've experienced some really tragic things. We've experienced scarcity, economy crashing and all over the place and our lives are all turned upside down. And whenever we experience lack, what we wanna do is we wanna cling and stick our head in the sand and be afraid. But then whenever we choose to turn that way, every decision that we make then comes through that filter. And God says, I see, I know, it's scary. It's not stable. Everything is shaking. It's okay. I know you're afraid. I know you don't wanna risk. I know it's scary, but I'm with you. And I have everything that you need. All the world is going in that direction, but church, you don't have to. Because you actually have a power that's greater than what's in the world, and it's me. It's Jesus. So why don't you turn with me to 1 Kings 17. And I want to talk about the difference between the source and the resource. The source and the resource. So just think about source and resource as I read this. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came, aren't you glad that we just have San Marcos? <laughs> not New, New Braunfels, you know, not, I live in Zarephath. Um, when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. It's kind of a crazy story, right? So he comes in and this woman is like, thinking, I'm gonna go eat my last meal and me and my son are gonna ball up and die. So they probably were pretty, you know, starved, not really 
lots of energy. I mean, they thought they were gonna die. Like they had been living in a really hard place. And this guy comes and demands more. Like if you saw someone that was starving and you were like, hey, can you fix me a meal? And they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm where you are, buddy. Like, how can you ask this of me? But in faith, she goes and she does it. Out of her lack, she gave because she believed. There's something. This is ridiculous that this guy is asking this of me, but there's something. Something, so I'm going to act out in faith and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna make this bread. And because she did not look at her lack, but she said, okay, I'm gonna do it. God blessed her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. They didn't end up dying. So what she had seen was that her resources were drying up. She had the last bit of resource. Maybe you know what that is, college students, where you're like, I got my last $15 and I'm gonna make it work at the grocery store. And then I'm gonna go home, eat my last meal and die. <laughs> you know, when your resources are drying up and you're like, all I see is my lack and God asks you to give. You're like, how am I gonna give out of this little bit? My resource is drying up. And what Elijah did was he came to her and said, your resources may be drying up, but I have the source. And if you will move forward in faith, then this source is gonna pour out into your life so that you have more resources. And when we look to our resources to meet our needs, they will dry up. Your job, your retirement, your parents' money, college fund, the government, it's going to dry up. We cannot look to our resources as our source. But God is the standard and out of his abundant riches, he gives to us and he provides for us. And so we cannot look to our resources to meet our needs, but to the source. And whenever we get that in alignment, then there's resource. Because we're not looking to the resource. Because when we look to the resource, the resource becomes God. The job the retirement, the government. It's not God. God uses those things to meet our needs, but he is alone our source. Our resource for provision may change or dry up, but our source never changes. Part of every journey is discovering where your next resource for provision will come from. When our resource of provision changes, this is what we pray. So if you just lost a job, if you're in a hard situation, this is what you need to pray. So if you're taking notes, I need the word of the Lord. I need to know where my new resource for provision is coming from. So if you're in this place and you're experiencing lack, I'm a mom of three. Do you know what a feat it was to get here today? <laughs> I was lacking my resource of energy was drying up. So I had to position my heart this morning and say, where is my next resource coming from, God? I need to press into you, my source, who has all the energy in the world, who does not sleep, who does not tire, and I need to draw from you. So when your resource is drying up, you need to press in and say, where is it coming from, God? Where is it coming from? Is it from that friend that restores me? Is it from time alone in your presence? Is it your word? 
and he will give wisdom to find another resource because you're looking to him as the ultimate source. So let's talk about the difference between poverty and wealth. And I'm talking about mindsets, not necessarily financial poverty or financial wealth, but at the root of poverty thinking is fear and unbelief. So if you drill down at the root of poverty thinking is fear and unbelief. So if you're experiencing lack, if you're afraid of, of your next resource, if, if, you, if you're, as I've been talking, if God is highlighting something to you where it's like you see this area in your life where you're like, oh, I can see where I have that. Underneath that is fear and unbelief. And there's good news that you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in fear and unbelief. It's a simple act of repentance that moves you into faith and out of unbelief. And then boom, then the miracle comes through. So a poverty mindset sounds like, if it's going to happen, then I must make it happen. I'm a victim. Things happen to me and I have no control to change the outcome. I was born into the wrong family. I was born in the wrong country. I can't see how we are ever going to get out of debt. Because that person received a promotion, I will never get promoted. They received that at my expense. I deserve. I will never get my break. If I just had more money, that spouse, that house, that job, then I'd be happy. Poverty mindset approaches situations full of worry, anxiety, and fear. Not being able to sleep was something that I wrestled with all my life growing up into marriage. And um, whenever we first were married, I had a job where I had to be there at seven in the morning, ouch, because I had student loans that I had to pay off. And so I would wake up and I would be to work by seven, but it was, and then I would work with preschoolers all day. Um, and so you can imagine, so I was like, I need to sleep and I need energy. Um, but then my brain would start racing and I wouldn't be able to sleep. And then Joel would be out within 30 seconds snoring and then I really couldn't sleep. It's true. He says it's true. And so I um, had been reading a book about faith and operating in faith and the power that lives in us. And, and so I had just gotten tired of it. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live in fear of this anymore. And so um, we were laying in bed and I couldn't sleep. And, and God just showed me in that moment that his spirit living in me is so strong that I could not sleep the whole night and that he could sustain me through the next day. That I actually don't need sleep to live. He says, we don't live by bread and water alone. We, we live by the power of his spirit. So I'm like, okay, well, God, you actually are strong enough to make a dead person live. So you actually are strong enough to sustain me all day tomorrow. And I just finally switched to my mind where I was like, devil, you don't have a place in me anymore. Get behind me, Satan. You cannot have my sleep. And even if you wanted to steal my sleep, you can have it. Because my God is big enough to sustain me all day tomorrow. So you know what? You can't even tease me with not having any sleep and this fear. And it broke. In that moment, it broke. And I went to sleep. And I don't struggle with it anymore because anytime that thought starts to come back up when I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to preach tomorrow and oh, you know, and I want to fight it. I'm like, no, that power has been broken in my life. You no longer have a stronghold in my life in that area. And I actually have what I need for energy tomorrow. 
And so that's one area. I don't know if any of you struggle with sleep. If any of you struggle with sleep, can you raise your hand? I wanna pray for you. All right. God, I just release over these people the ability to sleep. I break off that lie, that fear that they do not have what they need, that they are going to lack if they don't have sleep, that they're not gonna have the energy. I break off every bit of shame and condemnation that would try to keep them awake at night, those worry. I break it in the name of Jesus and I release to them the truth that they are free, that they have everything that they need, that they don't even need sleep, that, the, that God is bigger and big enough to sustain them all day without any sleep. And so I bless them with the same breakthrough that you gave me in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So Chris Valatin says in his book, Poverty, Riches, and Wealth, that God's definition of wealth. So this is it. You're like, okay, I know these bad thoughts that I have. Here it is. This is what we renew our mind with. God's definition of wealth is the ability, resources, strength, and wisdom to create positive outcomes in the midst of lack, poverty, and or emptiness. Wealth is light in the darkness, healing in sickness, prosperity in poverty, wholeness in brokenness, favor in obscurity, love for the unlovely, beauty for ashes, and victors among victims. Wealth is a can-do attitude, a more-than-enough mindset, and a nothing-is-impossible belief system. Wealth is radical generosity, extraordinary compassion, sacrificial giving, and profound humility. Wealth is always thankful and never jealous. It does not brag. It celebrates others, and it looks to the future. That sounds like the kind of person I want to be, right? That sounds like God's church, doesn't it? Yes. And we've been in bondage thinking less of me and more of you, God. And, and Jesus, weren't you homeless and poor and all those things? And I've just, you know, all these things that have kept us in bondage. And this actually sounds like a really abundant life. And it doesn't mean indulgence. And it doesn't mean get all the money that I can get and get all the resources that I can get so I can just sit on it but it actually is this mentality of, I am going to give everything of me so that I can gain the riches of heaven, the wealth of heaven, so that I can be a conduit for every good thing to this earth. That is what he wants us. But, but first we have to position our thinking that way. And so as I've spoken, you have probably thought, wow, I have some of these strongholds. I have some of these things in my thinking. I don't, I don't always think in that wealth mentality, that can-do attitude. And it's so simple. Before you go down to the road of self-condemnation, I know some of you are probably like hearing like, oh, I'll never get free of that. That enemy is trying to come against you saying, you're never going to get free of that. I want to say it's so simple to get free. And it almost seems scandalous. We're like, surely God, I, I need to like really just like get down in the dirt and really beat myself up before you will forgive me before I can actually think differently. But it, it really is not, it's not that hard. We simply have to renew our minds. Now that is challenging you think about a car that's been going down the road, like an old dirt road, and there's ruts in the road, and your, wheel, your wheels like naturally go into that rut, 
and it takes an effort to pull it out, that's what our minds can be like. So you've been going down this road of lack thinking in this area. It's gonna take some energy to grab that wheel and say, mind, you can't go down that road anymore. You're driving on a new road. But it's possible. It's possible. So you need to identify what is the lie? What is the thing that's keeping me stuck in this thing? Maybe it's orphan thinking that you're cut off from God. Maybe it's that God isn't good because we had this situation in our life, God's not good. So we take that lie and then we repent. Repent means to rethink. So I'm just gonna rethink about that situation. I'm gonna say, God, I'm open. I'm open to taking the situation and to thinking differently about it. And then we renew our minds with the truth. So God, I don't believe that you're good because this thing happened in my past and it was not good, but I'm open to thinking differently. I'm gonna turn from that dirty thinking and I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in this direction and then I'm gonna ask for your truth, your truth that you are good, that you never leave me or forsake me, that you give me every good thing and I'm gonna replace in my mind that lie with that truth. And if there's an area in your life where you are experiencing lack, I wanna challenge you to, to identify the lie. And maybe this will take you like a week to do. Maybe you can sit down in one morning with God, sort through it all and be free. Maybe it'll take you a month. Maybe it's gonna take you some time, but identify the lie and then find the truth for it. Seek God's word for it. And then you maybe have to write it on your mirror. I have stuff written all over my mirror. I have a hard time eating vegetables. So I have a thing on my mirror that says, have you eaten a vegetable today? <laughs> true, true story. Because I don't like them. <laughs> so I hold myself accountable. And so I know that if I don't eat vegetables, it's not good for me. You have to know, if I don't stop believing this lie, it's not good for me. So I need some accountability. And I want you to replace that lie with the truth until it becomes true inside you till it starts to become the lens that you see the world through before it's, until it's that path that your mind naturally goes down. And if you start going down this old path, you say, oh, I need more truth. I need more truth to guide me in this way. And generosity. Generosity is the other key. Renewing our minds and giving away what we have and what we think we don't have. The church in the past has confused financial prosperity as a reward or a sign of spiritual maturity. But in the kingdom, generosity is the true sign of maturity. Wendell Smith says, the love of money is the root of all evil, but the love of people is the root of all giving. Let me say it again. Okay. The love of money is the root of all evil, but the love of people is the root of all giving. We can be generous with our lives because we are tapped into the source that never runs dry. Did you know that Ocarina Springs, the river, those springs have never run dry in all of history? There's no recorded history of those ever running dry. That's like God. He just keeps coming up. He's the deepest well, deepest well ever. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. God will pour provision into your lap because his desire is that you would journey with him to be a blessing to the world. Being generous will press that poverty button. 
It'll press in on those lack thoughts. If you're like, God, I wanna give 10% of my income. And you're like, but I need to pay my bills. If you give, it's gonna press on that uncomfortableness. But you know what? It's in that pressing that God renews us, that he changes us, that he changes our ways. So I wanna encourage you to be generous and to keep pushing through, to keep pushing through, to not let that lack hold you back. So I have a uh, 16-month-old, Eli, and he has this, how can I attitude? So we put a baby gate at the, end of the, at the edge of the stairs so he doesn't climb up and kill himself. That's kind of my life right now. I'm trying to keep him alive, you know? If the front door is open, he will think, how can I get across the street to that bobcat that is grading that dirt? We're, we live in a neighborhood that's being built out right now. And so he sees the tractors and he wants to go. He's constantly thinking, how can I? How can I cross that fence? How can I get across that border? How can I push that boundary? But then I also have a four-year-old that will stand at the bottom of the baby gate and scream at me and say, I can't. I can't. I need someone to lift me over. I can't put on my shoe. I can't. And it's amazing how quickly in childhood we have this, how can I? And then we see limitations and we start believing from the, living from this place of, I can't. I can't. And then it carries, us into, it carries with us into adulthood. So I wanna take this story from scripture, one more scripture, and then we're gonna wrap up. In John 6, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. So if you want to follow along, if you're reading from NIV and you're like, what translation is she reading from? John 6, 1 through 11. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee, and a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. They were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus went up, to, up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover, and there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Just think about like, put Jesus like, not like this like almighty teacher, but like just a friend, like, where are we gonna find, we got a crowd. These people are probably hungry. Where are we gonna find enough money, enough food? Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. So Jesus was fully human. He was fully God, but he was fully human. And he looked at the crowd and I wonder if his thought to God was, how can I? How can I, God, Father? How can I feed all these people? And God dropped it in him. This is how you're gonna do it. So he asks Philip, he already knew, but I wonder. Philip answered, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But then, just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish, but how far would that go with this huge crowd have everyone sit down, Jesus said to the disciples. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. His how can I question is what opened the door for the miracle. 
If he had looked at the crowd and said, we don't have enough money or food to feed this crowd, that miracle could not have happened. He knew the access that he had to the source. And he said, I'm gonna look to the source. I'm gonna say, how can I, God, feed all these people? And that's when God gave the answer for the resource and then the miracle happened. And so I want to challenge you that as you go from this place today, that you would live from that place of how can I? How can I? I only see my limited resources, but I'm gonna be open and I'm gonna say, God, how can I change this city? How can I change my family? How can I be a blessing to the world? How can I end homelessness in my city? How can I give away $10,000 by the end of the year? I don't know how, but I'm open. How can I? And he then says, okay, here's the resource. Hold it. Now I'm gonna do a miracle. Yay. Who wants to live that way? I wanna live that way. I don't wanna look at the dead things in my life and say, I can't raise that thing. I wanna know how can I? How can I? You will know believers by their fruit and fruit is excess life. So I want us to go from this place living with excess life coming out of us. So as I spoke, maybe there's some of you in here who have never given your life to Jesus. You're like, I don't even know what it is to live from that place of abundance. I feel such lack. I don't even know what it is to be connected to God. I wanna live from that place, but I don't know how. So I wanna ask you, if, if, if that is you, would you just stand? I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you. I, I, I want you to leave from this place filled. Okay. Now if I've spoken and you're like, yeah, I know I've got some of these thoughts in my mind. I know that I experience lack that poverty thinking, but I don't wanna walk out of these doors like that anymore. I wanna be changed. Can you stand? I wanna pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, God, I thank you, Lord, for the hungry ones. the ones that have climbed up the hill to say, I just wanna sit at your feet, Jesus, and, and eat from your table. And I want to lack nothing. I thank you for these. And I pray for them, Lord. I release to them a kingdom mindset. Your thinking, God, of wealth, of more than enough, lacking nothing. I bless them, Lord. I thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit that's gonna guide them this week to uproot those lies and replace it with truth. I bless them with it. And I declare today that you will walk out of this place a different person in Jesus' name because of your faith, because of your hunger. He's rewiring your brain. I bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. I'm gonna invite all of you to stand with me and we're just gonna read some declarations. If you wanna point your phone at the screen and take a picture of this, and maybe you need to read this over yourself every morning for the next week. We're gonna read these together. 
Jesus is my shepherd, in Him I lack nothing. I seek first the kingdom and have everything I need. God supplies all of my needs according to His glorious riches. I was created to prosper as my soul prospers. I am firmly rooted and bear fruit in every season of my life. By His divine nature, I have everything I need for life and godliness. God provides for me because He loves me more than the birds. Jesus became poor so that I may become rich. I live in supernatural abundance in every area of my life. Like Abraham, I have been blessed to be a blessing to the nations. I am generous with all my resources. Awesome. Yay. And I know some of you have come in here with some very legitimate needs. You need physical healing. You need emotional healing. You need to hear from the Lord. And so I wanna invite you. We're gonna have a ministry team at the front. And if you need prayer for anything, if you gave your life to Jesus today, will you come down to the front and have our ministry team pray for you? And I just bless you, church, in Jesus' name.